It's uh, very dangerous and was invented by a ghost. This is happening in Europe and in international waters. It's a terrible idea, and yet people do it constantly. You know I don't understand how porn works. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that doesn't think they've dealt with parental expectation terribly well. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Amy Schneider. We are properly divorced. I told them you have cholera. (laughs) (laughs) I might. I might. Yeah, it's hard to say. No, it turns out that's grounds for divorce, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, God, if... If this year has proved anything to me, it's that one's approach to infectious disease is indeed grounds for divorce. <laughs> Just like, why? Yeah. No, I'm, uh, you know, feeling really single these days, but I'm like, boy, when quarantine opens up, there are going to be a lot of people newly on the market, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. And like really low standards too like i'm <laughs> yeah. not saying you shouldn't aim higher i'm just saying the <laughs> options will be available um i'm gonna have the opposite problem where the second i find out that somebody else wasn't as puritanical about quarantine as i was i will leave i understand so we're in different spots but that's we fine are in different spots yeah um <laughs> it's like luckily we don't live together anymore so we don't have to worry about it yeah that's true you do you yeah you um, do you and, and and we do and we're doing this podcast by the way yeah we were Which sad is- and we thought it would make us feel happy <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> i mean in retrospect we uh we may have set our sights a little high <laughs> I mean, I do feel oddly heartened. I, I uh, do too. Uh, not by the podcast. Yes. By Tom Cruise uh, losing his mind on people. That was like, that's been my internal monologue <laughs> this whole time. Uh huh. And it turned out what we really needed was for America's biggest action star slash closeted homosexual slash <laughs> chief Scientologist hashtag where's Shelly Miskovich <laughs> to just absolutely go Christian Bale on some people. <laughs> yeah. Listen, the LAPD said she's fine. Um. <laughs> and you believe them? <laughs> I Wake think we up, can sheeple! Trust the Los Angeles Police Department, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay, we're gonna stop the podcast, and I'm gonna show Amy a couple of articles. <laughs> also, possibly, possibly footage of the Rodney King beating. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. People were like, "Oh, that happened a long time ago." Did it? <laughs> right turns yeah. out 1980 is almost 40 years ago no it is 40 years ago it's, yeah yeah i don't care for it <laughs> uh i don't care for it either but like i keep having fucking birthdays and i'm stuck with it yeah the 80s were 10 years ago everybody just fucking deal with that yeah that's right i'm hanging out with a 24 year old these days it can be depressing at times i i mean i have a young friend um, she's applying to grad school, which is adorable. 
<laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I don't remember exactly how old she is, which is frankly probably for the best. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Really just, you know, age uh, is nothing but a number, but I am bad at math. Yeah. And I no, think that's ar- an, isn't that an R. Kelly song? Strike that from the record. <laughs> Just every once in a while, something will come up in conversation like 9-11, and she'll be like, well, I was three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just had a conversation with another colleague today who's about my age, um, and just, you know, something frustrating happened at work. Shocking, I know. (laughs) What? But I was just like, ugh, Calgon, take me away. And she was like, I feel so bad for young people who don't know what Calgon is. And I was like, I know. They don't understand that we didn't have the internet. The only way we had to get away without leaving home was Calgon. That was it. That yeah. was what we yeah. had at the time. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah. Uh, how you been? How's tricks? Uh, you know, they've been fine. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I will say that like, I'm feeling good about like, you know, the chosen family thing this year. I've got, uh, stockings hung up for me and three of my close friends and, um, and my roommate Penny. That's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> Did you start posting Penny on Instagram again yet? No, I posted a picture once just because I had gotten a tattoo for, her, but and I'll I'll post something around, you know, at least at least one thing in this uh, blessed holiday season. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say this blasted holiday season? <laughs> this motherfucking holiday season. <laughs> um, I do also need to say I approve of my young friend applying for grad schools, like. In gen- like she's going for like a writing thing and I think that'll be good for her and I was like telling her that and she's like yeah well mostly I just want to find somebody to have anal sex with me <laughs> and I was like I couldn't respect your decision more yeah you know she was like I figure people on college campuses are more open-minded yeah wow I mean yeah you know I uh <laughs> I, I mean, look, I found some. If she, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, she's, you know, I just support that she wants to go get her uh, MFA, yeah. her motherfucking <laughs> anal. <laughs> yes, indeed. Gong noise. <laughs> <laughs> the sounds of anal yeah all right great well by now we've scared off anyone who found this (laughs) and didn't know what we're all about yeah they're like oh it's about Downton Abbey well I'll start with their most recent episode (laughs) I was thinking today we've probably talked about this before but like all those early reviewers that were like oh oh that guy's gay like oh my god (laughs) yeah turns out you're super gay I mean, yeah, I'm really gay. The, yeah. I mean, my, my top genre in Spotify year-end wrap-up was Lilith, as in Lilith Fair. Uh, I was like, you know, I knew I was listening to a lot of gay music, but damn. <laughs> I mean, that's like really gay. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Somebody knocks yeah. on your door. Uh, ma'am, we're responding to reports that you're too gay. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm quite gay. Unlike, by the way, below deck Mediterranean. Oh my God! What a bill of goods <laughs> we I know. were. Bait and switch. Oof. Okay, so what happened <laughs> in early quarantine? God, I feel so old. Yes, and not even because the '80s are ten years ago. Yeah, no, because because February's ten months ago. <sighs> It didn't have to be this way. <laughs> yes, I know. I could be having anal. I don't even like it. I would just <laughs> like to know that it was an option. <sighs> anyway, at the beginning of quarantine, brace yourself. This is a very wholesome topic. Yes. Um, so we were watching Top Chef. Yes. And we did a brackety thing. And you won, if I recall I correctly. Win. You yeah. won. Uh, it yeah. was really, it was like a, a twisty turny it was. for us because I looked like I was way ahead, but then all of yeah. my heavy hitters got eliminated. Yeah, no, and uh, you know, my girl took it home for me, Melissa. Yeah, you, your wife, Melissa, really like, yeah. you know, she she brought the heat. <laughs> she um, did. I thought of her the other day because I was using some prosciutto for something and I remembered when she made the big Italian prosciutto man cry. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. And I was no, like... God, what a perfect woman. Anyway. Yeah, no, so, it's funny. I was talking to a friend who's going through old episodes of Top Chef, and he was saying where he is. I'm like, listen, I'm completely invested every season, and then as soon as the season ends, poof. Yep, I gone. <laughs> Absolutely gone. I just remember flashes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um Things like Jen Carroll just absolutely losing her mind. Which <laughs> yeah. season am I talking about? Every single one that Jen <laughs> Carroll was on. Yeah. She just is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. Right. So, so we're watching. We're watching yeah. We're watching Top Chef. And they're showing all these promos for this show called Below Deck Mediterranean. And mm. it's all these women in like polo shirts. And we were like, that yeah. looks on very gay yeah they're on a boat red polo shirts Mm -hmm. like several of them are clearly lesbians (laughs) yes and we're like all right listen we don't know how long this pandemic's gonna last lol (laughs) we're gonna watch this gay ass boat show when top chef is over so we still have like a thing that we're doing that's right (sighs) amy tell them what happened it's not gay it's not They're even not, gay at all. It's not even a little bit. I mean, like some of them. It like, is. It is arguably like aggressively heterosexual, and by aggressively, extremely. I mean non-consensually. <laughs> yes. And I don't just mean that we didn't think it was going to be heterosexual. <laughs> we mean there's right. a lot of like very questionable things happening on this show. Indeed, indeed. Um. But- uh and yet here we are Uh, yeah i mean we're watching it very slow we're trying to make it last (laughs) that's right we're savoring it you really need to take a few weeks to let each episode like really get the nuances of of what happened not that so much as every episode is so stressful it's so yeah it's so stressful the only time that it wasn't stressful was like right after the election yeah and we were like oh what a refreshing (laughs) <laughs> what a refreshing kind of stress yeah that has yeah. way less to do with our fundamental human rights yeah 
But it's like, you know, just having to, you know, spend your time wondering how and, you know, wh- how and in what way Rob and Jess's breakup is going to happen. Because you know it's going to be bad. I mean, it's just that. And then, um, I mean, just Hannah. The whole Hannah thing. The whole yeah, Hannah she was, thing. She was my girl starting out. And she just. But like, it was only in relation to that horrible Italian woman. Yeah. No, that's true. Life yeah. was not the beautiful for that <laughs> one. Once, once she was out of the way, things became a lot clearer. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm just, you know, I still maintain that Captain Sandy is a lesbian. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like think she so might be married to a guy, but like, yeah, you know, there so are lots of lesbians. I know multiple. Uh, I know multiple people whose mothers are, you know, are lesbians and were, you know, married to a guy. Oh, I also know many like current, you know, in good standing lesbians uh, yeah. who are currently married to men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a whole thing. Um but yeah, no. So I I am glad that we started it even though it's not what we were sold. It's uh it's been It's a lot just of fun. it's just been nice to watch something that's a complete and monumental failure that isn't um America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you know, this is this is happening in Europe and in international waters, you know? Yeah. And it's like it's in like a part of the world that I have no desire. Like, I don't want to go to Ibiza. Like, oh, my God. When they were showing Ibiza, I was like, I this is my nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Every like even before I quit drinking, I would not have wanted to drink in those conditions. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm staying in the room and getting blackout drunk. You all go have fun. Yeah, yeah. What little fun there is to be had in a pizza. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah. So anyway, it's almost a surprise that that's not what we're covering today. But it isn't. It isn't. Um before we get into that, is there anything else media-wise you're enjoying? Um not really. I mean, I'm watching The Crown. Um, you love that Queen's Gambit shit. Oh yeah. I guess I'm, I just wasn't counting that because it was a few like a month ago that I watched it and it didn't was it really? Yeah. Maybe I don't know, but yes. Queen's <laughs> well, Gambit, you were like you were ahead of the curve. I feel like you watched it and then everybody else got into it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it was actually uh, you can thank uh, my friend Genevieve for that, the twenty-four-year-old. Good um, job, I, Genevieve, twenty-four-year-old. Yeah, but it was like she was like, don't use that information to dox her, anyone. Uh, yeah, I imagine there's multiple. Anyway. Um, <laughs> nope, only one in the whole Bay Area. <laughs> she might not be local. It's quarantine. We could be doing everything over Zoom. <laughs> you could be. We could be. That is true. Um, but yeah, Queen's Gambit was great. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Been just rewatching stuff. Well, because it's partly because, like, she's the first person I found that's as interested in watching like old English crap as I am. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. So we like watched, uh, I'm not sure if we, we watched, we partly rewatched Victoria. We started somewhere in the middle. Um, and that was a blast. Um, even though (laughs) that show's awful, but we had a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I just watched Penny Dreadful. Which was good and good, and then it was dreadful. I was like, why did you end it that way? This is absurd. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. No, Victoria, like, I'm glad we didn't end up covering the next season because, like, where we ended, it was, like, looking like, yeah, they've got things figured out. It's really good. And then the next season was just a complete face plant. <laughs> um, I watched the blessedly short 2020 Stephen Moffat, Mark Gaddis, uh, Dracula over oh. the last few days. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that it's good. You know, it's very Stephen Moffat-y. <laughs> yeah. Which is like cool for a little while. And then you're like, ugh. Right. Why is this happening to me? Um, yeah. But like a lot of great characters and some really fun performances. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, I wanted more kind of like Victorian horror after Penny Dreadful ended unceremoniously after three seasons. And I had, yeah. you can, if you follow me on Twitter, you can find, like I had a whole conversation with somebody about it. Like, yeah. it was just like the creator was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always going to be uh, three seasons and end this way. And I was like, <laughs> watch it because it seems pretty, uh, pretty rushed. And it's like, why would you say that? Do you think it makes you look better if you're saying that this was intentional? Well, and it was like, it was one of those things where it's like he just, like he needed somebody to slap him occasionally Mm -hmm. and be like, why are you doing that? (laughs) Don't do that. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But Billy Piper gave such a good performance. Oh, wow. Right. I didn't think she could do stuff. Yeah, I didn't either. But it turns out she does both a really great posh accent and a really good Northern Irish accent. Wow. Which I only recognized as being Northern (laughs) Irish thanks to one Sam Neill. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Saying, Grace. (laughs) Son of a bitch. I've been so sad that we don't get a new Peaky Blinder this winter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I looked up how long it is until Dairy Girls comes back, and I got very, very put out. Yeah, although I never even actually watched the most recent season, just because like my pandemic has like had a huge drop in my watching TV for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then like the Netflix image, I guess like Anya Taylor Joy is in it, so she is. Oh, yeah. listen, I was like, I know those creepy eyes. You're gonna be very pleased. Excellent. With what she gets up to. You're going to, you'll enjoy it. All right. Cool, cool, cool. I'm actually like, I'm at a point, I'm like, I'm just going to rewatch Dairy Girls and Peaky Blinders. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good plan. I mean, I'm off work for three weeks and I'm determined not to do anything productive. Oh, speaking of things that were satisfyingly gay, which we weren't exactly, but the th- uh, speaking of things I was watching, I watched the new Adventure Time. I was going to say, um, when are we not? Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> Uh, the latest Adventure Time episode, and it's all about uh, Marceline the Vampire Queen and Princess Bubblegum, whose like gay past was like finally confirmed in like the series finale originally, and now they're doing a few like more episodes that are each like thirty minutes. And this one was all about their relationship, and it was just them settled into happy like domestic life, and it was great. That's and exciting. I recommend it. Yeah. I've never watched Adventure Time, but I've been told I'm very like Marceline the Vampire Queen, and this pleases me. Yes. She seems <laughs> cool. A, she is cool, yes. I did also watch The Happiest Season, somewhat out of a sense of obligation. Um, but it was like, I re- lo- like once I got on the, the vibe, and it was like, this is, like, the ways that this is dumb are intentional, you know? That this is trying to be 
the 90s rom-com with everything that implies that, you know, gay, gay women didn't get. Yes. Um, I, I mean, sense. I do appreciate it in that it was like, hey, gay women, we see you out there making horrible choices. <laughs> We're going to make a movie that affirms you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I had a lot of issues with it, but the main one was that Harper looked awful. Yeah, yeah, no. Like I mean, she, I, I mean, and I saw people be like, she has a bad wig because apparently other people have found her attractive in other contexts. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm, yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm very team Aubrey Plaza, but you know, it yeah. wasn't that kind of movie. And oh yeah, she was amazing in it. Yeah. Of course. Well, and it's and clearly I, yeah. it is clearly a movie for people with extremely conservative families. Yeah, definitely. Which we do have. We do. And it was also a, um, it had a very, like, low-key, like, T-for-T feel between the two of them. I mean, it definitely, like, yeah, they both gave a lot of uh, gender-ambiguous energy, so that was nice. Cool. Um, let me see. Have I watched anything else that's good? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> well... I know one thing you've watched that's good. <laughs> Me too. What is it? <laughs> a Midwinter's Tale, a.k.a. In the Bleak Midwinter. In the Bleak Midwinter. <laughs> I told my yes. British friend that we were doing this, and she got very excited because when she was in school in England, they had to sing that every year. Ah, uh, yes. Even though that's... she was Jewish. I'll, I'll tell you what. That seems like, you know... Only the like 500th most depressing thing about being a kid in England. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just the year talking, but I really (laughs) respect like old ass European holiday carols. Yeah. uh, Because they're dark as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) They're all in like a minor key. (laughs) It's like, is there a wolf coming? Like, what is this? (laughs) It's like... We're all dying. We're glad some of us won't. Either. <laughs> we don't know which ones yet, so let's all sing. <laughs> no, and like, yeah. okay, here's my beef. Christmas isn't technically midwinter. <laughs> Christmas is technically at the very beginning of winter. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's the bleak mid, the sun went away. Yeah. So it's like, you know, who are we going to let define winter? You know, these assholes at the National Weather Service? I don't know who decides that. I was Um, like, the witches? (laughs) (laughs) Who decided the solstice? (laughs) (laughs) Who did this to us? Well, I mean, the Romans, partly. Ugh, they did everything. Everything is their fault. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have someone to blame. That's right. Um, uh, yeah, so this is a movie, yes, that was made by was, Kenneth Branagh, indeed, and I he's a, not I, in it, which is a startling show of self control on his part, <laughs> yes, I you know, <laughs> one that he would rarely rep- replicate <laughs> um no as as i as I put in my notes, it is a movie by about and for theater kids. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's a movie by, about, and for Kenneth Branagh. (laughs) I mean, what is he but the darkest timeline? (laughs) 
for yeah. a theater kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and it's like it's it's I mean it is like and I like the guy that plays the lead, but it is sort of like why did you bother not casting yourself as this character? I think he like, just I think he just wanted somebody who would look like he had Rudolph Valentino eyeliner on all the time. And Kenneth Branagh didn't look like that. <laughs> but did he actually have the eyeliner though? It was so weird. No, it was so weird. I'm like, who knows? I think it was just his eyelashes. Yeah. But like in that first scene, hmm. I mean, we might as well <laughs> kick it off because things go. kick off uh, and it's very like slings and arrows esque. Although I guess slings and arrows is very Midwinter's well, Tale yes, slash yes. in the be- bleak Midwinter esque. Uh, but it's Noel Coward's Why Must the Show Go On? Um, which actually, I guess before Kenneth Branagh, he was the darkest timeline of <laughs> of a yeah. theater kid. I also um, uh, just recently listened to uh, the podcast, How Did This Get Made? Talking about Kenneth Branagh's Love's Labor's Lost, which is filled with, which is A, filmed in black and white like this, uh, also inexplicably, and B, has a ton of like, uh, Cole Porter type songs in it or no yeah like you know and they uh, were not kind in their assessment of whether that was a good idea or not <laughs> was it like a straight up musical it was a straight up musical yeah Ugh. Yeah. I mean that show is already rough like yeah I know like I saw it one time and I was like what the fuck is happening I was in it one time and I was like what the fuck is happening yeah so I mean that's just kind of the general vibe yeah um blessedly this movie actually moves at a pretty fast clip it does yes and so we've got this song and then i was like is this a mockumentary in the beginning because it's just joe our protagonist having what appeared to be a fast talking psychic break during an Mm -hmm. audition or something yeah um well, and I'll tell you the other thing that's like I realized that I wish I hadn't realized during this is how much like uh, Woody Allen like homage. Oh no, like, it's from, like, so Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. And then Once- Amy Hall opens with the like two camera monologue like that, and it's just like yeah, yep. I'm like I remember very little about Annie Hall except that I stopped watching it. <laughs> Good call. You were there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were like, hey, let's watch these Woody Allen movies. And we did. And I was like, this is bad. Yeah. This is horrible. Yeah. Evil. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. And it turns out. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so we also then get a full dramatis personae, yeah. uh, which is such a self-indulgent fucking thing to do. Again, theater kids. <laughs> we're a self-indulgent lot. <laughs> They said on their podcast, <laughs> yep, <laughs> which they self-produce for no reason. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the podcast nobody asked for. <laughs> yes. Um, so we get a title card saying prologue, which again, equally self-indulgent. Uh, and then we cut to, guess what? Joan Collins. A.K.A. Potiphar's wife. <laughs> That's right. And Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> Indeed. And also Joan Collins. Yes. Um, and she, uh, <laughs> so she is, she is Joe's uh, agent. 
Um, she's out at lunch with Joe and, and says that she, you know, she's diagnosing him as depressed. So she's also his doctor. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> she's, uh, yeah, you get that mix a lot in England, actually. Yeah. Um, well, her name is Margie in this, but we will call her Joan Collins or possibly yes. Joni for short. <laughs> we shall yeah. see how the spirit moves us. Indeed. Um, so he is putting on a play, which will be professional suicide for some reason. Um, and like, he's trying to talk her into it and she's like, well, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. But then it like, it cuts to them outside and she's like, well, I'll give you 600 pounds. And I'm like, you shouldn't do that. No. You said 600 pounds for literally anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 600 pounds to Joan Collins is well, pocket money. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and then he asks, apparently he was up for some science fiction picture. Uh, and she says that, well, it was down to him and Dylan Judd. Uh, and he does not react well to Dylan Judd. So that's his the, nemesis or something? Yeah, seems to be the Cornelius Burt to his Titus Andromedon. <laughs> Excuse me. I have to take this. Yes, I am very satisfied with my wireless service. Thank you. <laughs> We never see him, though, so it's less entertaining. Yeah, that's um, true. Apparently, he's short. Yeah, that's apparently a thing. So yeah. great. I mean, I guess they had to tell us that since we'll never see him to find out. Yeah. So later, <laughs> time passes. <laughs> yes. And Joe races from N. Patel's newsagent shop to show Joan Collins the newspaper listing. <sighs> Should we do this as a drinking game where you take a shot every time that we feel incredibly old? Uh, you know, it was just sort of through the whole thing. So yeah. Like, I mean, which I've got a glass of wine, so like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. playing. Listen, care, just have one for me every time and we'll be set. <laughs> By the end of this podcast, Amy's just going to be like, I was crying. <laughs> anyway she reads the the listing and it's like full of typos and it's like you know profit sharing yeah. collaborative environment and yeah. says possibly my favorite line of the whole thing <laughs> do you have to use these phrases darling it's not 1969 <laughs> burn <laughs> she is our yeah. queen <laughs> And I'm like, Joni, you should have like, in, you should have seen this coming, and you should have been like, you send me, and then I will put it in the newspaper. Yeah, like, so why did you? Why up. did you just let? Him, you can't let the talent do anything that's going to be in print. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, uh, Joe's eyes are really crazy here, and pretty much yeah. for the duration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I want to be very clear that if I were in my twenties and I saw this <laughs> listing. Mm -hmm. I would audition for this. I would do it. Uh, hearing it now, as I'm pushing uh, 40, I just want to take a very long nap. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. like this sounds so exhausting. Yeah, and it does. we will, as we continue to go through, <laughs> uh, we will see that I am correct, that this would be very tiring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a gong sounds oddly, and uh, gong and sound. To, <laughs> yes, and we cut to Joni's office, and uh, Joe is still talking too fast to uh, these auditioners, and this is a uh, wacky montage of crazy auditioners. 
Uh, so it's like there's a woman dressed as a bee that is tap dancing while wearing a poster that says to be or not to be. I've never been, but based on what my friends have told me, I think this is what San Francisco Theater Bay Area general auditions are like. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes sense. Uh, and then there's a guy who's doing Richard the Third, and he's got like he's got a hunch and like an, a weird voice in his eye. And then Joe like is giving him notes, like okay, like let's let's dial that back. Let's uh, you know just make it more naturalistic. Let's see what we can do. And he's like, okay, got it, got it. And then he does the exact same thing. <laughs> um, which the timing on that was good. I, I laughed at that one. Uh, and then Henry Wakefield shows up, and they've mentioned his name to us, so he's got to be something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, they said his name. That's right. He must be uh, something. He, yes. Uh, he, um, I mean, you know, most of these people were in other Kenneth Branagh things. He was uh, Polonius and Hamlet, and he was, he was one of the better performers, I thought. See, what um, was great about when I was doing these notes, I was like, Amy's going to pick up on all of the parallels to the actual Kenneth Branagh Hamlet because you were unhealthily obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And for this, I am duly grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the lead uh, played uh, Horatio. Um, wait, no, he, yeah, no, he played Horatio. Somebody, anyway, and one of the other people in it, I think, was Laertes. Moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's uh, he says that he wants to play the king, and he won't take no for an answer. That they're lucky to have him, and so on. Um, and then we uh, got- he's he's me in thirty years, except that I quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a ventriloquist. I was very upset by this. Yeah. So thanks, uh, the-, the Anthony Hopkins vehicle magic. <laughs> yeah. No, and then there's this very actory guy, like Scarf and all, who says, and this is one of the lines that's always stuck with me, uh, Hamlet is me. Hamlet is Bosnia. Hamlet is this desk. Hamlet is the air. Hamlet is my grandmother. Ham- grandmother. Hamlet is everything you've ever thought about sex or geography. <laughs> I uh during this was texting my college roommate because of course uh as we were all enrolled in a theater program we <laughs> loved the shit out of this movie and we quoted oh, yeah. it all the time this Indeed. this bit and then the kind of meltdowny scene later yep, um, yep yep oh my god we we just loved it yeah i mean i loved it too uh, me and my W. Shakespeare and Co. pals. I mean, it's uh, right in the name. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and then he also says after that, uh, Joe's like, oh, there's, can you fence? And he says, I live to fence. In fact, you might say, I fence to live, which I thought was <laughs> great. <laughs> Arguably my favorite character, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, th- there's a woman doing something with puppets, uh, who you noted was familiar looking. Uh, I did the I did the research. That is Twist from Spaced. Shut the fuck up! Uh-huh. I thought yep. she was in Manchester. She loves that gay scene up there. <laughs> oh man, there is a show I was thinking about recently where I was like, mm, I could strongly see that show not holding up. Indeed, it's. it's but I could also like- see parts of it bizarrely holding up. Yeah, and it's like nothing that I remember. Like I'm not remembering anything where I'm like, "Yee," but you know. I mean, know. I thought like their whole thing with, um, oh my god, what the hell was her name? Vulva. 
<laughs> like nobody thought that was weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they didn't like her play because it was objectively bad. Right, right, right. No, and I mean, that was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was just like, that was just about like art. I think. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It was about the art, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, good for you, Twist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep, she had a very brief cameo in this. <laughs> uh, then we get a guy named Carnforth, uh, who has a quad headshot. Uh, again, much like Titus Andromedon. Um, so they'll cast him as like all the minor roles, basically. Uh, and then an aging uh, gay man shows up, and he says that he wants to play the queen. In 1996, uh, this was very progressive. <laughs> indeed. Dirty Gertie, he calls her. Uh, <laughs> Please. Dirty Gertie <laughs> was my mother. <laughs> Call me Ms. Dirty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so he's, he's Terry Dubois, and they give in and cast him. And uh, yeah, some guy banging a metal pan around. It's not get cast. Uh, and then Joe's talking to somebody who might be the same guy as earlier who asked about regional accents and he says, oh, that's not a problem. And then he starts screaming a Richard III monologue in this thick Scottish brogue. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then finally we get, uh, rounding out the cast, we get a uh, child actor, or not a child. but Well, like, an adult. Child actor. Yeah. Yes. Like a Macaulay uh, who- Culkin type. Indeed, who will be playing Polonius. And then Safi from Abfab shows up. Uh, we have no choice but to stand. She says, she's looking at Joe's aura. Joe's like, why aren't you looking at me? <laughs> and it actually seems like she needs glasses or contact lenses, which she refuses to wear uh, for oh. reasons that are unclear here. <laughs> yeah. So she... <laughs> she's like you know oh i don't have to do shakespeare do i and he's like no no no, whatever you know this is a very freewheeling collaborative production and she's like okay this is debbie harry (laughs) so she sings heart of glass which is great because i've been going through a real blondie phase in like the last couple of months and then she falls down and is immediately cast as ophelia i assume because she's thin um (laughs) yeah Anytime I've fallen down in an audition, I have not got the role. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad they did. She's great. Uh, so Joe pulls down all his casting board photos and is talking to Joni like some nonsense about, well, we knew it would be a challenge to cast this time of year. And Oof, I am Joan Collins in this scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, keep talking. Yeah. So, like, why did you do it? <laughs> um, isn't it because really he... Never- he can't afford uh, mental health care, apparently. <laughs> well, yeah. But he can afford enough. to pay for all this. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the deal. That's what she should have done with the 600 pounds. <laughs> Gotten him to a head shrinker. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, she's like, oh, do you want me to bring industry people to your godforsaken venue? And he's like, oh, no, no, it's not that kind of show. I'm like, you're losing your mind. You've been unemployed for a year. And you're yeah. like, your your choice is to continue to be unemployed, essentially. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
So Joni still thinks that the sci-fi movie might happen. It says that Dylan Judd's agent is asking for too much money. Uh, whereas clearly, like, Joe will do it for, you know, like... Tuppence. Lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, Listen, she- Joni would never negotiate such an awful deal. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, she says, well, the drive will be worth it just to see Terry Dubois play Gertrude. Um, and I do, I mean, I do think that like, you know, I just said like, why are you putting on this show? And I mean, I, I was realizing, I mean, the point of this movie is kind of just pointing out the fact that it never actually makes sense to put on a play. There's oh never God, no, reason. there's never a good like, reason. It's a terrible idea. And yet people do it constantly. <laughs> just, we never stop. Yeah. It's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's very bad. <laughs> yeah. Looking at you, the plague dog sees God. <laughs> Among other things. So a woman in a phone booth is yelling at Joe about when he's arriving at this church. She's very put out. Yeah. Um, and she's like saying like, oh, you're not driving them in that old car he is he yeah, has like you're driving that with with live people in it and he says well they're actors there's actors. <laughs> uh yes so they've all managed to cram into this terrible backfiring <laughs> station wagon yeah. uh and they drive into a town called hope uh yep. which Safi thinks is a sign her actual name is nina by the way yeah, I'm going yeah. to call her Safi the whole time. Oh, for sure. They then have to cart all their gear up a hill to this yes. church. Um, and then they all take a break about yeah. 30 feet away. I mean, there's a bench yeah. there and everybody smokes. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Joe's sister, Molly, a.k.a. the angry woman from the phone booth, runs over and she's like, you're in the wrong place. Everybody loves this church. We have to go to a different church. Yeah. And it's very funny. Yes. To uh, us, which... the people who don't have to move the gear. Well, right. Yeah. So they get there and like uh, one of them describes it as like a real dog of a church or whatever, which honestly, I mean, it looks fine to me. I thought but, it looked great. I mean, it does yeah. look very ripped up around the outside. Yeah. Like the grounds I mean, don't look well handled. Yeah. I mean, it's also, again, maybe in color it looks worse. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, they're not getting expenses to buy their own food, but food has been brought. Uh, peaches and, and futons. Um <laughs> Somebody, I think it's Carnforth, it seems like, would say, actually, I'm not all that keen on Japanese food. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, I will say, I was not in any way able to keep up with most of the banter, so. Yeah, there's there's lots of banter, and a lot of it is pretty good. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I guess this was Joe and Molly's church when they grew up, so it's meaningful or whatever. Uh, And then the designer arrives. This is Fadge. You can keep our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Fadge <laughs> is the reason for the season. She is a delight. Uh, <laughs> she, yeah. She's, um, I, I don't know how to ex- describe her. She's crazy. Um, she And she's like very taken with the church and very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carnforth and the, formal child, and the former child actor are sleeping in the crypt. Um 
and Carnforth is a weird guy, but like wants to get his own food. I don't know, whatever it is. Well, I realize now he said he wanted to nip down to the pub, uh, which okay. we will very because soon learn is because he's yes. an alcoholic. Indeed, he is. So uh, Terry Dubois tries to sell Molly on drawing up a cleaning and cooking rota immediately. Frankly, mm-hmm. Terry should be directing the show. <laughs> Indeed. Terry yeah. is the only person present besides Molly to a degree who has a lick of common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, but he's just saying like, uh, 21 days love, 63 meals, and 8 trillion cups of tea. And okay, so something I wonder about is like at a British breakfast spread, can you like reliably expect there to be coffee or is it all tea? Yeah. And has that changed like in, you know, if so, and if if it did change when? I mean, um, it probably would have changed right around this time because of Starbucks. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Could be. Yeah. But it's like if you, but I mean, if you go to an American breakfast spread, it's like all coffee right. and then like two shitty kinds of tea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, which which my Australian manager was very put out by when he moved to America. Oh, I'm he, sure. He's found the adjustment difficult. <laughs> no, honestly, like, you know, when you I've know. gone, when I've gone out with people who are, are from not America, but, you know, still yeah. English speaking countries, they're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and they like, and they won't put milk in it unless you ask or like, or they'll ask you, like, do you want milk in it? And he's like, no, I want it to taste like shit. Of course I want milk in it. <laughs> I am wow. I won't. Yeah. I I won't do well. Um, Look, I mean, when this he also quarantine likes, lifts. He, he also like likes Vegemite, like they all do. So what? Can <laughs> I just like to be able to taste the tea. <laughs> uh, so Henry's very upset about having to room with a poof, uh, a gay guy, and. Uh, yeah, he says that the, he says the entire British theater is dominated by the class system and a bunch of Oxbridge homos. <laughs> okay, that was pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also he's like, so when is the woman playing Gertrude going to get here? Uh, you know, whoops. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and and it talks about Henry Irving, who I don't know who that is. Uh, he was a Victorian actor who Bram Stoker probably based Dracula on. All right. Wow. Yeah. That's that's odd. Apparently, he was a real psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> no, he like he like ran this theater company and was like extremely temperamental and weird. Huh. Um, anyway, congratulations, weird- Henry, on having homophobia instead of a personality. This was truly <laughs> a pre-Shits Creek world. <laughs> it surely was. Incidentally, I looked up the etymology of the word poofter, and it is not pleasant. I Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> I won't repeat it, but it is available yes. online. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I'll get my incognito mode ready. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh shit, should I have done that? <laughs> I, you know I, I don't understand how porn works. <laughs> yeah, I do know that. <laughs> Most of it's very bad. That's true. So Safi is sitting with Fadge somewhere? 
I couldn't really figure out if this was their room or what the deal was, but mm. she's whew, she's so positive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is what would yeah. really kill me if I was involved in this. Like everybody else being positive, I'd be like, no. Yeah. Um, but she's saying, what could be better than Hamlet at Christmas with a group of like-minded artists? And then Fad just says, salary? <laughs> and Fad won't let her see the designs because they aren't finished. And I'm like, how could they be? She just saw the space for the first time like five minutes ago. Lay yeah. off Fad, Safi. She's an icon. <laughs> um that said fadge is quite taken with Safi and says you can call me fa <laughs> and she says oh well it's slightly harder to pronounce yes <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there's like a lot more of people with like chosen names in this than i remembered yeah yeah no for sure so i mean that's definitely like kenneth branagh riding by on a bicycle saying message <laughs> so yeah. Fadge says something to Safi about why are you putting low calorie mayonnaise on your face <laughs> right to me the more pressing question is why is she carrying low calorie mayonnaise in her purse <laughs> um, and if you're going to eat the devil's own condiment why go with low calorie okay <laughs> I just ugh. although yeah. you know what they did put mayonnaise on my Wendy's the other day and it wasn't horrible I still don't care for it but I was like okay yeah. I can eat this I, anyway uh, that's that's more of a journal entry I'm sorry I'm very <laughs> isolated yes indeed I don't no, even I mean, have a roommate I think there's a simple answer to that, which is I think a friend of hers accidentally bought low-calorie mayonnaise, and so she could get it for free. <laughs> well, but why is she keeping it in her purse? Uh, well, because she's blind at home, too, and she put it on the same shelf as her moisturizer. <laughs> there's so much wrong here. Yes, indeed. I keep meaning to make my own mayonnaise at home and see if I like it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, go for anyway, it. Anyway, I've had 10 months and it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, so the, the child actor drinks to Molly. Uh, who I've lost. Oh, the to Joe's sister, Molly. That's right. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and Henry's complaining to Carnworth because I guess he's an alcoholic, which, uh, you know, like, fair. Uh, and yeah, and this is where it's like they don't get expenses in the conventional sense. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what other sense is there? Um, and, <laughs> and Henry's calls Joe a crooked bastard. Uh, but Safi undermines, does not show labor solidarity here at all. Uh, she defends Joe and she calls the meal generous. Uh, yeah. It sounds like it didn't taste good. They say it was chili. And I'm like, I wouldn't eat chili in England. <laughs> yeah. No, that's sketchy. Good Lord. I mean, God, I mean, you're really taking your chances eating chili in America. <laughs> yeah. God knows. They probably put peas in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I watched a couple of great British Bake Off specials and just every time they do a savory. I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and they're um, all like, oh, what a cracking good snack. <laughs> uh, and uh, Scarf Guy is deeply concerned about his colon, which is also a real like timestamp thing on this one. Like, you know, 
his particular concerns are so of that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Fadge announces that she feels her nipples stiffening and that this is a good sign. And I really <laughs> hope Fadge made it to Burning Man, like way back at the beginning and before <laughs> it was a bunch of like tech sellouts. Yeah, I mean, but you know she was at Fringe all the time, so... Mm, yeah, that is sort of the Burning Man of the East. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So Terry's been, you know, uh, calling all the men she and all the women he and mm. doing all of this, you know, verbal mumbo jumbo. And yeah. Molly's very confused. And so <laughs> Terry tries to explain camp to her. And then Molly yeah. went on to become an insufferable fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> yeah. No, Molly is the audience stand-in for all the audience members who accidentally wandered into this movie without being theater kids. Um, I also wonder, I wonder about the American name because I guess it's like The Winter's Tale, mm. but nobody knows that play. <laughs> well, I mean, I think... And it's like, it could have been, it could have been like a midwinter night's dream. I feel like they would have gotten more box office that way. I think, I think that would have been better. I mean, I think that, I think they didn't like bleak in the title. Uh, oh yeah. Like, that's extremely not... anti-American. Yeah, uh, despite how seats. fucking bleak it is to fucking live here. Right. Whereas in England, they're like bleak. Oh, <laughs> that sounds proper. He's a bleak bloke. <laughs> um, uh, so I did a, like a scotch of research about quote unquote camp. We're not getting into this because it's very contentious. <laughs> okay. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, anyway, it's a very charged conversation. Like who invented camp? Uh, mm -hmm. But common wisdom is that camp as a concept originated in the court of Louis the 14th um, kind of very loosely defined. It's like artifice for the sake of artifice. And mm -hmm. it's like exaggerating things, um, you know, kind of later as it became much more sort of code for queer people. Um, mm -hmm. It was, you know, modes of dress and basically secret languages Um to protect themselves from being attacked, arrested, otherwise yeah. oppressed. Um, what we know as camp in the United States now uh, is heavily influenced by black and brown queers who came out of the ballroom mm. scene. Um, mm. I don't recommend Susan Sontag's notes on camp, which makes no fucking sense. Because basically Susan Sontag wrote this whole thing and like barely mentions gay people at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, Susan Sontag, go suck a fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so specifically in this context, um, Terry is essentially using some of the conventions left over from Polari, which mm -hmm. was kind of like, yeah, to most people, it sounds like a nonsense language. Um, it's kind of like closest heterosexual analog is Cockney rhyming slang. Um, mm -hmm. so basically it was made up of a lot of Italianate phrases, rhyming slang and cant terms. Um, so just, you know, also, um, there's a heavy influence from the Romani language 
in it as well. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, I'll see if I can find it um, and send it to you and maybe post it when we post this. But there was actually a really cool short film that I found that was two guys speaking in Polari. Um, yeah, I actually saw an article about that that once um, and was not in a position to watch a video at that moment. And, you know, every once in a while since then, I've thought about it and been like, oh, I should go find that again. No, you really got to watch it because it's really great. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's two guys, you know, one's already at the bench looking for mm-hmm, trade mm-hmm. and the other one sits down. Um, mm. And, you know, there's a bit of, you know, they have to kind of feel it out. Right, right, and right. this is it's particularly fun because one of the guys is clearly like a bit more rough um mm-hmm. you know he's lower class and the other guy's a bit of a stiff shirt um mm-hmm. so it's really fun to watch them almost kind of speaking polari in different dialects mm-hmm. uh but you know once they figure it out um mm-hmm. i think the the kind of inciting moment is one of them um the lower class one asks the other one for a cigarette in polari um mm. and that's when the ice kind of melts so it's great i strongly recommend it um if i can f- i'm sure i can find it again i think i saved the link um anyway so that's Excellent. essentially what is going on here okay yeah yeah no and it's you know i i there's actually a, a book by stephen fry that has a character that's that uses like just the exact same like camp you know uh mm-hmm. you know Betty Bishop over here referring to the bishop that is joining their house party Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. And one thing I couldn't figure out sort of what the, um, what the influence was of queer people of color in Britain. There wasn't a whole lot written on that. mm -hmm. So if anybody has those resources, I would be interested in learning more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's your, you know, TLDR. If you want an even shorter version, it's just Dame Edna. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Molly is saying that they need to prove to the village council that there is a community and hope worth preserving. There was some late 90s mumbo jumbo earlier, and this is never really particularly well developed. Yeah. That there's a developer who wants to develop something and it's not clear if it's the whole town or just this church. Right. Because I'm also yeah, like, and- I'm like this church, like everybody loves that other church. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And it's like, and so like two comments. One, um, she's like, you know, we have to show them that there's a community here that's worth saving. And I'm like, is there? Maybe right? there isn't. Not every place is worth saving. No, and I just, I don't know. It made, like, basically, I feel incredibly cynical about most of this up until that meltdown scene. Because I was just like, this is just how life is? Yeah. But I mean, I think, too, and it's also like, this is something I realized when when I was writing those Daria essays. This is just this moment where, like, this late 90s thing where, like, selling out was such a, like, concern on everybody's minds. And then... (sighs) You know. Not mine. <laughs> well, in yeah. 1996, I was, you know, just trying to sell out as fast as I could at the age of 11 or 12. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, but you know, I'm sorry, I was 14. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow, this is disturbing. Yeah. You can see why um, I prefer to think the 80s is 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. But uh, nobody's cared about uh, selling out like forever now, so it all seems odd to hear it. 
It is very strange. I mean, I'm just like, we lost, you know? It's like I yeah. said to my friend on Small Business Saturday. I was like, why are we still doing this? Yeah. No, it's like the actual Big Lebowski says to the dude in the Big Lebowski, you know, the revolution's over. Your side lost. And how? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Ah, we're going to have another one here soon. A lot of people are going to die. <laughs> Actually, well, strike that. A lot of people have already died. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, well, all right. So back to the bleak midwinter. <laughs> back to the hijinks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Joe wouldn't tell her what the play was before she agreed to do it. Uh, which is awful. And so she's not thrilled to learn that his plan to bring Christmas cheer to hope is to bum everyone out with Hamlet. Uh, She says something about getting kids to watch Hamlet instead of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, Rita Repulsa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, actually, you know, my brother was occasionally actually forced to go to Shakespeare productions when he would have preferred to be watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> wow, ripped from the headlines. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so Joe takes Molly home, so I guess she still lives in she still lives in hope. Um, and is a teacher it? apparently, like the exposition is very bad in this movie. It really is. Um, and Safi tags along for the walk um, because she's already got a, you know, crush on her director, as I imagine she always does. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, yeah, but the uh, difference is usually her directors are either professional or sane enough to not <laughs> indulge her. Yes. Um, yeah, they, they walk by the other church that everybody likes and he whines that he can't use it. Um, but Safi is like, oh no, you've got enthusiasm. And at this point I just fully blacked out. Yeah. So Joe <laughs> says, I don't know, whatever, like that he's sad. And Safi, uh, then says that, says something about advice that Martin always says to her. And he's like, who's that? And she's like, oh, that's my husband. And he's like, you know, sad trombone. Womp womp. Yeah. And like all of his exposition was like, he did some play and then s- he was engaged and his fiance cheated on him and then something, something fadge. And then his dad went bust. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, yeah. And it's never clarified. I'm like, is your dad? Yeah. Okay. Like, did he literally <laughs> go bust? Is this that scene from Monty Python? Like what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Another thing, by the way, that I've learned with hanging out from with non-theater kids is uh, showmances are impossible to explain to outsiders. They're like, they're like, so they know it's just a play, right? I'm like, look, I don't know. I can't explain it. Like, I mean, honestly, the closest analogy we have is Rob and Jess on Below Deck Mediterranean. <laughs> that is. Like. <laughs> the love story of our time. <laughs> Well, it's the love story of a time. (laughs) God, I just want to know if she ever finished the secret history. (laughs) All right. Act two. I think this might be the only other act break that I notated. Um, Good. Yeah, they. It's, it's a dumb conceit. It's a it's a five act structure, you know, like Hamlet. 
So Joe gets up at the first read through and he says there will be a lot of cuts to the script, but they've got to read the whole thing before that. And Safi says, this is vital. I assume this scene is just verbatim. Kenneth Branagh's meeting with his financiers for his four hour Hamlet that Amy loves the damn much. I sure do. You really do. Have you watched it recently? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. But ha- watching this, I was like, hmm, I should watch that again. Yeah, you ought to watch thing- that with Genevieve so she can learn about history. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and also, like, well, it's got old timey with- British things. No, no, no. It's yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Vintage Kate that- Winslet. Everybody likes that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's just, and it's also just like, like he's good with color and I don't think he's good with black and white. Like, I don't think this is great cinematography. Like, and I just don't know why he made this decision. Because he didn't want to seem like he was selling out. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And he wanted (laughs) to seem like Woody Allen. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that much. Because that's what every man of a certain age wants, which really, uh, calls all of them into question. Indeed it does. Um, I just wrote Fadge Abides in all caps. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that was in reference to, but she does. But we know it's true. Incidentally, there's some restaurant near my COVID testing site in Emeryville that just has the dude abides on their uh, on their hmm. like board outside. And I think of you wow. every time I go by it. Yeah. Um, and I'm always like, oh, I should take a picture of that for Amy, but I'm driving. <laughs> so it's not convenient yeah um <laughs> i'm a very because i'm a very unique and interesting person and i like the big lebowski well i thought you were a very unique and interesting person when i met you yeah you did and then i thought it was very unique and interesting that you like the big lebowski ah but see what you've done amy is you've subverted because ah, usually yes. it's guys who like it and now you're like i'm a lady who really likes the big lebowski <laughs> Yeah, that's right. See? Anyway. <laughs> Listen, it's all about framing. It is indeed. Um, <laughs> Tom requests a non-smoking read-through <laughs> as Noel Coward kicks back in. And yeah, uh, yeah the non-smoking read-through, that's not on. Uh, yeah. Wow, people sure did be smoking in the 90s. They like, really did. It's they truly it. shocking. Even as somebody who smoked well into the 2010s, Mm-hmm. like i only quit smoking like four years ago and i'm like hey uh, yeah that's too many <laughs> yeah yeah you don't have a per diem <laughs> that's right <laughs> anyway uh molly's terribly bored that is how i would feel and thank god mm. they montage this you know <laughs> yeah oh sure. my god so yeah they exit the uh you know, read through and Henry's still complaining about pufters and he says, lesbians are all right. And quote, I don't mind the odd diesel, which I thought was an interesting uh, term. I heard a new one um, in that New York Christmas wedding movie. Ooh, you know what? This is what I didn't talk about before is all of the horrible (laughs) Christmas princess type weddings I've been watching. Anyway, I won't go into it, but in that movie, some guy calls two women, a pair of bull daggers. And that is a thing that I guess people used to call lesbians before they updated it to something that sounded less stupid. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen, if you want to have a surreal ass dumb time, 
uh, with a surprising amount of Catholic theology and catechism mixed in. Watch a New York Christmas wedding. Chris Noth is in it playing not who you would expect. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, Carnworth goes off to get drunk, we assume. Uh, Tom is complaining. He cannot believe the cuts. Uh, and on and so on. He remains the best non-Fadge Joni character. Like, it's hard for me to decide. Like, I feel like it's got to be Fadge, then Joni, and then Tom. Could be. I you mean, know, I'm I like- very biased towards the way. You like Nina, though. Yeah. No, I mean, definitely. But, like, I always like her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> A cockeyed optimist. That's you. Yeah. No, and he's he's talking about like how he's preparing for the roles, and he's like, if I'd had time, I would have gone to Denmark to prepare. And I'm like, how would that help? Shakespeare was never in Denmark. He didn't know. Look, it reminded me of every male actor that I went to school <laughs> with, because they'd always be like, we're doing all this research, um, yeah. and you know, I don't know, the women were just busy trying not to get raped because it was college. <laughs> That was our research, damn it. <laughs> no, but just Tom is extremely genuine. Mm-hmm. He is he is so genuine in a way that's similar to Nina, but she's very positive and he's very negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, the- we also discover yeah. Vernon is the name of the child actor. Yeah. Uh, once I, again, I, exposition, not this movie's strong point. <laughs> yeah. Although and I, I think like, they what? may have shown it on his headshot in the audition sequence, but oh, I had yeah, the probably. I had the closed captions on so I couldn't see it. Yeah. So uh, you um, know, heads up for people who care about the accessibility of this piece of media, you might want to fix that. Yeah. I thought about uh that um, you know, they don't care. Um <laughs> I thought about I thought I recognized that uh, Vernon from something, but I didn't. I did. He was the gravedigger in Hamlet, but it was the uh, version of Hamlet that I had forgotten existed, starring David Tennant. And I'm like, I, I wish I had still from forgotten like, that existed. From like 2010. Yeah. I was like, why? Who allowed this? Anyway. Uh, he's Scottish or something? <laughs> oh, wait. Indeed. He- Hamlet's not Scottish. That's Macbeth. No. Indeed. <gasps> um... <laughs> Well, He's Danish. <laughs> I felt the same way about Fadge. The actress is Celia Imri, and she had some small roles in the Bridget Jones franchise. And I think I keep confusing her with Zoe Wanamaker, who played mm. that Russian person in Mr. Selfridge. Yeah. I no, can't remember what her somebody... fake name was from us in that. No, I know. Um, <laughs> like, she was just, did we just call her hot? Um, anyway, uh, what we called somebody just like attractive at some point. In I don't think it was her. She looks weird. Yeah, she does look weird. Anyway, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> yes. We hope you're enjoying this special holiday edition of our podcast where we fail to recall things we've said on other podcasts that we've <laughs> That's made. That's right. This is what the people are coming back for. <laughs> Well, you know, somebody did recommend us on Twitter the other day for being a podcast that just like feels like you're talking to people. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel that we're really delivering that here today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so 
That's yeah. I mean, for better or worse, is what you get. Um, it's free, buddy. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> yeah. So I did my own skosh of research um, into what the original like source material f- for Hamlet was all about, because um, like Macbeth was an actual king. Um, Hamlet does not appear to have been a historical figure. It was a uh, uh, basically a legend that can actually like versions of it appear in a lot of different cultures, hmm, like uh, Beowulf. Indeed, uh, but the one that came through was uh, about uh, I, rather than Hamlet, it was Amleth. So you know, a reasonable change there. Amleth. Uh, <laughs> instead of like. His dad's name was Hamlet too, wasn't it? Like Hamlet Sr. or whatever? Yeah. Anyway, whatever the dad's name was. Uh, he uh, preferred Ghost? <laughs> uh, the, the, the dad. No, Hamlet kept being like, I've seen a ghost. And everybody's like, yeah, that's just your dad. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> Please. Hamlet is my son. Call me Ghost. <laughs> um, <laughs> Woo! Uh, but in, this, in the original source, he was named Horvendil. And uh, Claudius was named. What? <laughs> Isn't that a cheese? <laughs> Possibly. What the hell? Yeah. So Horvendil gets back from sailing with the Vikings and killing the king of Norway, like you do, uh, and married Garutha. Uh, so at least that's. Ah, the Grendel you. character. <laughs> yes. Uh, they have Hamlet, Fangmorders, Horvendil, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then Amleth pretends to be an imbecile, um, and the, the whole thing is sort of like a trickster thing where Fang is attempting to catch him out. As His name really is Fang? F-E-N-G. Okay. Yes. I thought you meant F-A-N-G, like a cool right. name for a dog. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> And then the whole thing with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, like, sending him off with them and a message that says to kill him, but changing the message to say, no, kill these two idiots, um, is part of it. Uh, real uh, real then, race to the bottom with those three. I don't think their college was very good. <laughs> That's a great... Well, they, I think they left early. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they should still be in school. Hamlet had an excuse. His dad died. <laughs> yeah. Um, he then is sent on another thing where he's sent to uh, woo the hand of the terrible Scottish queen, Hermoth Ruda, who, Ooh. Had put, who had put all former wooers to death but fell in love with Amleth. <gasps> she sounds um, like a strong female role model for today's yes. young girls. Yeah. So he goes ahead and marries her as well as he was already married to, uh, what was his first wife's name? Uh, Ophelia? Oh, <laughs> it was another silly name, but Rosalind. Uh, nope. Uh yeah. But so he's married both of them. Hermione. I'm just gonna name <laughs> Shakespeare characters N- nope, until I, I get it actually, right. It doesn't appear. To, it doesn't appear to actually list her name. She just says. <laughs> okay. Well, then I won't spend somebody. the next 15 minutes naming every female character in Shakespeare. <laughs> Although hey. I. I could get most of them, I bet. You could you could do all right. <laughs> Take a sporkle quiz. Um, <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, it's like, it's a lot of the, like, skeleton is there, but, like, the meaning of everything is completely different in a lot of ways. Like, 
you know, there's no, like, there's ambiguity in the play Hamlet about whether he's really crazy or not to an extent and stuff like that. Whereas it's very explicitly, this is a ruse in, in the uh, original source. Another um, play with a struggle around exposition. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of killing in Hamlet, but way more killing in Amleth. So, uh, yeah. That sounds fun. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and then like he then has to like fight like the you know successor of uh, Fang Wigleck. Shut um, your <laughs> mouth! <laughs> what? Wigleck? Yeah. yeah, and then actually Wigleck kills him, and Hermathruda, who had promised to die with Amleth, marries Wigleck, and they have a child Wermund, uh, who then the kings of Mercia are descended from. I so is... <laughs> I am into Herman Rutha? Hermoth Ruda. Hermoth Ruda. Repulsa. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh I'm into that. Also into this crossover with the show Vikings. Uh, because the Kingdom of Mercia played a big role that I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it involved Athelstan, because, man, everybody <laughs> wanted a piece of that monk. Yes, he was hot. <laughs> he was really hot. Yes. <sighs> anyway, we don't have time. We don't have time yes. for Athelstan. Yes. So uh, there you go. Wow. That is, the, that is the minimal research I did for today. Listen, you have piqued my interest. I have a lot of free time on my hands uh, for some reason. So I'm probably going to look this up. Uh, Well, then uh, we have Fadge unveiling her design, which is confusing to everyone. And rightly so, for it is merely Mm -hmm. a replica of the building. She wants to just use smoke. She thinks it's about people and smoke in space. Um, and then folks are asking about, you know, well, what time period is it's it like, in? No, no, no. That's that's the title of the science fiction movie I'm up for. <laughs> oh, phew. wait till we get to the name for that character. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Joe doesn't want to set a time period. And I just wrote, oh, this is so awful. Like, this yeah. is like that awful production of Macbeth that we were in. I know, but it's like this is how it was. Like all the time at W Shakespeare and Co., that's what we were doing because that's what uh, our director believed the RSC to be doing at the time, and yeah. she thought it was cool. Uh, I mean, that at least is an ethos. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> this also is just somebody who should really be looking into medical options uh, for right. managing his depression. Also, if there's no set time period, then you can use whatever costumes you have lying around, which is uh, handy so because. Fadge goes out to the Fadgemobile, uh, which is a giant van just full of costumes and shit. She brings it in, yeah. and we have another kind of montage where everybody's trying out all these various mm-hmm. pieces. And Carnworth brings up to Joe a very salient point um, <laughs> that he is playing both Rosencrantz and <laughs> Guildenstern. Yeah. Uh, Tom remains very upset about the cuts, and mm-hmm. he. Wants to use body oil to swing in on a rope uh, or something. And then mm-hmm. Henry is pantsless and crabby. This is pretty much his whole thing for the whole time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Safi continues to insist that she does not need glasses, despite <laughs> very, very much needing them. 
Um, And then Molly has to play Hamlet during rehearsals so that Joe can direct. And um, they're kind of chatting through a bunch of stuff. And he's remaining very committed to his delusions about theater and stuff like this. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he has his like Hamlet origin story that he's telling mm-hmm. his sister about how, you know, at the age he saw Hamlet, all he ever did was think about girls and wank. And I'm like, I would not discuss wanking with a sibling, uh, myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, it was like a line, something like, you know, wanking a girl or girls and wanking, but sadly not in that order usually or something. And it was just like Kenneth Branagh wrote the line. He couldn't find anywhere else to put it. And, uh, he liked it. Like, Ugh. what are you going to do? Um, then we get Fadge leading the warm-up, which is actually pretty impressive for a designer. And mm-hmm. I just love her so much. Indeed. Uh, so then the, the rehearsing scene one, and uh, we spend a lot of time on line one. Uh, he's trying to establish Hamlet as a ghost story. And, like, goes through this whole thing about, have you ever been terrified in Car Forest Lock? Well, one time I got a flat tire and I thought I might be late. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know and and so on and i'm like see this is why you take notes during the scene and then give them at the end of the scene but i mean also he just spends s- way too much time on this yeah like yeah. i mean again we know he's not in peak mental health yeah but it's just like good like you you know you only have like what like a week two weeks to rehearse this thing yeah <laughs> anyway um yeah outside tom is massaging fadge and then does some crazy chiropractic adjustment on her hand yeah the noise that it makes is not a noise you want to hear yeah which is why most chiropractors go to school for it yeah it's uh very dangerous and was invented by a ghost so i can't (laughs) recommend it um (laughs) chiropractic was invented by a ghost it was invented by a guy who claimed to get some of his ideas from a ghost. That's incredible. Was it Hamlet's dad? <laughs> I don't believe so. I'm not sure if he specified the name of the ghost. Oh, man, that's cool. That's my second favorite celebrity ghost story. My first, of course, being that Kesha had sex with a ghost. <laughs> um, Molly's doing great as Hamlet. I think she'd be a better Hamlet than Joe, frankly. I, th- I think she probably would be. She's like, got more gravitas. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, also, Joe is far too old to play Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. Frankly. No, I mean, it's, he's not really a great fit. He's not a great fit on any level. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's his play. He says he gets to be Hamlet. This is Look, how it goes. Look, as an inveterate narcissist, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Terry comes in as Gertrude and is very campy, which uh, Henry objects to. And Joe is like, yeah, that voice is too much. Uh, but Terry says he's basing his performance on, performance on the great dames of classical theater, which is like fine. But like everybody has to do that or it just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I think Terry should be directing this show. Yeah. Um, so Safi like chimes in without anybody asking her to and like tells this thing about, you know, you have to make sure not to screw up this first line. It's famous. And then like you say it the wrong way and it sounds like silly or something. Hamlet cast and off thy just... colored nighty. <laughs> yes. And it's just complete silence. I always love a good like joke bombing in a, in a movie like this. It's always <laughs> fun. You did always love a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Molly, Fadge, and Terry are the only likable people in this company. I've decided. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I love Tom, uh, he's yeah. just, he's incredibly not likable. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like Safi, but I know why she's not likable. <laughs> well, which is fine. We don't have to like all the same things. And true. You like the Big Lebowski. <laughs> For example. I mean, I like it fine. Famously, yeah. <laughs> so Molly yeah. is ranting and raving to Joe about the landlord wanting more rent to cover the electricity bills, which is kind of reasonable. But also, did you get anything in writing? Uh, <laughs> apparently not, because they need apparently. 700 pounds by opening night or the landlord's mates will turn them out. So yeah. I guess this church is run by organized crime. Well, like most churches. Yeah. Uh, that is apparently the the uh, the plot of The Godfather 3, which I have never seen. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also belief that Benedict resigned uh, partly because of something to do with mafia money laundering through the Vatican Bank. But anyway. He was a Nazi. He was a Nazi. <laughs> okay, so Safi turns up uh, and interrupts this conversation um, to tell Joe and Molly they did a good job on the first day of rehearsal, uh, which is half true. Molly was great. Um, <laughs> yes. And then she dashes off to make a phone call and Molly asks who she's calling and Joe's like her husband. And then the sad trombone kicks in once again. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> this is where Vernon really won me over, though. Yes. Because yes. Vernon comes up. And he's got this giant ass poster that just says Vernon Spatch as Polonius. And uh, bad news, there's no one booked for tickets so far. And this is, Joe has done a lot of like unconscionable stuff Yes. to date. Mm-hmm. But like, dude, you can't just put on Hamlet. You have to promote it. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. It's like- He's like, it's Hamlet in a small rural town. It sells itself. Ugh. It does not. It really doesn't. Yeah. Uh, Joe calls Joni saying that he needs more money. Um, she's saying, like, uh, you know, let's think about this Dylan Judd situation some more. And he's, like, talking about, I don't know. He's, like, saying, like, you know, he's suicidal, basically. And I'm like, I, you know, I mean, I don't buy him as suicidal. Like, the guy on Slings and Arrows, I buy, like, is Oh, Yeah. Sometimes. But like him, I, I just don't see it. I don't either. Well, I think it's because Kenneth Branagh has never been suicidal. <laughs> yeah. Kenneth Branagh has just always thought too highly of himself to be credibly suicidal. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, also, what I think is really interesting about the way that Joan Collins' character is written is that she never actually says that she is going to keep pushing for him. She only is explaining all of the stupid decisions that Dylan Judd's agent is making. Yeah. And yeah. like at no like at no point does Joe even register that like <laughs> right. she's like advocating for him. He's just like, yeah, 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 but this Hamlet though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so Vernon is wearing a giant like Cyrano nose, which he did mention earlier. Um and then Tom is doing some insane accent as Ronaldo, which he explains that he was thinking of Reynard the Fox and what does the fox sound like? And I said, what does the fox say? <laughs> oh, man, that was a simpler time. Yeah, boy, that was a great couple of weeks. <laughs> I meant to um, rewatch it. 
I actually did at some point during the pandemic. Does it hold up? God knows. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. You know, it's it's just a silly little thing. <laughs> uh, and then Safi asks if she could try entering in hysterics to begin with, and he says to try it. And it's some great physical comedy there. She just, like, she run, comes in in extreme hysterics and then just face plants on the stairs, uh, which is great. So we cut to uh, Carnworth and Vag discussing that she won't wear corrective lenses. Um, and f- I think Fadge says she's brushed her teeth with soap for the last three nights, but she won't admit it. <laughs> and uh, Carnworth is doing a crossword, but he reveals that he's just filling in random words as he goes along. Um, and it turns out that his real name is Keith Branch. And uh, Fadge, believe it or not, was not christened Fadge, but actually Mildred. I mean, it's the Fadge of conventional names. <laughs> yes. And uh they agree that that all this meaning the horror that is theater is fun from time to time. <laughs> uh you know, I mean I feel like yes. Like I was literally as we've been doing this I'm like, "Oh, maybe I should audition for something." And then just like the thought of having to sit through rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. No, I know. I mean, I guess it you know, it's not so bad if um that's your whole job mm-hmm. because I mean, what are most of my meetings? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except sitting through rehearsals for scenes I'm not in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out on the bench by the nice church, Joe asks why Safi refuses to wear glasses. She says she doesn't want to see the world in sharp focus and everyone thinks she's dizzy uh, as in crazy. Yeah. So she was a manic pixie uh, dream girl long before the phrase was coined. She really is. And oh no, uh, her husband is dead. He was a fighter pilot and a dancer, but he crashed in a midair collision. Uh, he was 33. And I'm like, is this made up? Like it sounds like an insane pathological lie. It, it does. It does. But uh, I don't know. Fighter pilots do die. Yeah. Well, but she said that he died in a midair crash like in England. Anyway, the point is she's from like a lifelong RAF family. So everybody Mm -hmm. that she knows is in the Air Force. And the only person who thought that she could be a proper grown up actress was her husband, Martin, who is now dead. Um, Mm. And I think this is a quote from Martin about life's a silly old business. You fall down, you get up, you fall down, you get up. Uh, and it's very sweet. And uh, Joe says, I think you're a very grown-up actress. Um, yeah. Which I guess counts as flirting. That's what they've got. I mean, look, given the Woody Allen influence, it's good that they're establishing her age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Henry rehearses the Claudius confession scene. And we see Terry tone things down quite a bit as Gertrude. Molly practices stabbing Vernon, and he comes out with, like, a fake sword through his head. Waka waka. <laughs> but it's fun. Uh, oh, okay. This is one of my favorite parts, because Tom is playing Fortinbras like he's from Norway. And just like Joe's like, hey, and he's just like, this isn't easy, Joe. 
<laughs> and like that's kind of you know he's been trying to do all these accents and then yeah i actually love this interpretation of rosencrantz and Guildenstern that fadge is working out with carnforth which is yeah. this like very like weird like movement thing where he's like my honored lord i forget the next line it's like my most dear lord my most dear lord Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. And it's just yeah. like, oh, okay. Like, this is going yeah. somewhere. Which, interestingly, now that I think about it, like, this is the format of a lot of TikToks, except with cuts, you know? Like, oh, yeah. talking to themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. Anyway, Joe is correctly having second thoughts about all this, which, yeah. you know, he really should have thought of that before he packed all these people <laughs> into that station wagon. Yeah. Rather belated. <laughs> Yeah, he says they've had a big first week, and now it's time to maybe worry less about the exterior and more on the internal. What do these characters really want, and the rest will follow. Pretty standard Meisner um, shit. Yeah, uh, and that they have a great deal to offer. Uh, Henry points out that what they have is four days before technical rehearsals, and Joe's like, yeah, well, it's, it's great. You know, in Shakespeare's time, they, they didn't rehearse at all, and they were terrible. Uh, <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we cut to Terry and Henry in twin beds with Statler and Waldorf comforters, which I never have noticed on any previous viewing. Yeah, nor have I. mean, I. maybe because I, I finally have a, you know, I have like a high-res TV to watch it on. Because we had it on yeah. VHS, so I'm sure like it mm -hmm. was not in great shape. Mm -hmm. um, Henry is explaining to Terry that he only seems like a very experienced classics actor because Terry's like, oh, well, you've done this role before, haven't you? But he says that he feels like he was born out of time and theater uh, was divided into proper theater and commercial stuff. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Um, yeah. Like, I'm like, it's all commercial stuff. It's 1996. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, England, though, like, you know, like there's still a like, you know, I, I, I think or at the time was still a track for, you know, the kids from the right families to like have a classy career that doesn't, you know, shame their parents. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, I know you're right, but just, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. just funny to think of a kid not shaming their parents. Um, <laughs> so he says that he is only a crabby old git so that the young ones don't see his fear. Skeptical emoji. He seems pretty awful. Um, yeah. But he says that he feels that he has done it before and they, it turns out they bond over a shared love of Henry Irving who, uh, in addition to being Dracula, was the first actor ever to be knighted. So... Huh. He was Sir Dracula. <laughs> Moving on up. Indeed. Uh, Joe rehearses one of the soliloquies. Like, yeah, pretty on the nose. Uh, there's a uh, Larry Olivier and Vivian Lee bit in here, which I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah. As a... F well, you remember them from Orson's yeah, Shadow. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, anyway. Uh, wow, one of the worst marriages in uh, cinematic history. <laughs> <laughs> Such yeah. a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. And yet actors keep dating. <laughs> <laughs> it's a showmance. Yeah. Um, so they try to, yeah, and they're trying to figure out the money uh, and there's, you know, not enough of it. Uh, but Vernon's going to run around promoting the play and he's got a solo show that he's booked up at Chelford Castle uh, where he's going to promote uh, their play. Again, uh, why is he the only one who's trying? I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> and they're like, oh, like the whole thing at Shelford Castle is part of they're trying to yuppify the area. And it's like, all right, I guess. Is that 
bad. Like there's not even enough people for two churches anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, there's a lot of attempted social commentary in this that I missed when I was young, stoned and full of hope for the future. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Uh, Joe says he loves Vernon, not in a queer way. Uh, But then that he does have a lovely arse. Uh, Heterosexuality is a prison. (laughs) Yeah, it's no fun. Mm -mm. Um. Joe and Terry are rehearsing the Hamlet and Gertie confrontation. uh, And Terry gets very emotional and says he can't go on uh, because apparently it's triggered a personal trauma. Uh, So it turns out Terry fathered his son when he was about 17. Uh, It was the only time he made it with a woman. Uh, His son then came to find him one time because his mom wanted nothing to do with the queer baby daddy. And mm-hmm. the son saw him in Puss in Boots, and the kid was angry at his mom for hiding his father, but then also apparently ashamed of his queer actor dad, um, mm-hmm. and said that he never wanted to see him again, which I thought seemed kind of bonkers mm-hmm. after presumably going to a lot of trouble to track him down. Yeah. Like, for all of this to happen I- backstage at Puss in Boots... feels like a lot (laughs) Uh, but they do correspond occasionally and Mm -hmm. terry just can't believe how much the play brings it back uh i do love this line shakespeare wasn't stupid families you know they don't work do they yeah i mentioned that line in therapy today oh good job yeah man oof just no that that line has always stuck with me from this as much as anything except for fadge in this movie <laughs> well i mean to speak of a midwinter's tale slash in the bleak midwinter is to speak of fadge indeed <laughs> uh tom's blustering about something and karn force like like tom's kind of like being upset and also they're trying to rehearse a scene and Carnforth is like drunkenly stumbling through the scene looking for a bottle of lemonade that he left somewhere um that's a lemonade wink <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and then they're rehearsing Ophelia's mad scene and Joe is like, gets very shouty about whatever direction he's giving and it makes Safi all weepy. And then, uh, she plays the guitar for like Ophelia's song and then runs off crying, which is like kind of played as like a bad thing, but I'm like, that's, that's her exit. Like, that's what she does. Well, and so. it's like, I mean, I think the point was like, yeah, like he's, you know, all of this is also very triggering for her because she's singing about... Yes her dead uh, father who will never come again. Yep. And her possibly fictional husband also dead or non-existent. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Back at the phone booth, (laughs) they didn't have cell phones, children. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Joni refuses to send Joe any more money, which is phenomenal. Um, Apparently, yeah. Dylan Judd's agent has really cocked it up, and they've asked for way too much money. There's all these demands. Um, mm-hmm. She's like decorating her Christmas tree, and Joe's like, "What do I do?" She's like, "Ah, write to Santa. What a bitch. What an icon." Yeah. <laughs> um. So the, while rehearsing the Fortinbras scene, uh, Carnforth belches in the middle of it, and st- this sets Tom off. Um. And so he goes on a bit of a rant, and that. Uh, kind of makes Joe finally like snap. Well, uh, and before Joe snaps, 
so you know tom's like gone all through and he's like he's like apologizing to carnforth claps him on the back and says love this man <laughs> which was yeah. the other thing we always used to say and then yeah. carnforth immediately does some other dumb bullshit and he's like <laughs> yeah. i can't do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um but yeah, like, and Joe has his monologue about like, you know, that, yeah, this is actually a terrible idea and they shouldn't be doing it. He was an idiot for doing it. And, and why did they want to save this place anyway? Churches close and theaters close every week because finally people don't want them. And, um, and then is like, and he ends by saying, and if anybody could just tell me what makes life worth living, why is life worth living? Um, and so... Uh, some people say what makes life worth living. Well, and um, it's just, God, he's such a fucking asshole because yeah, his yeah. sister yes. is right there and he's her reason. Yep. I, Molly, you might want to get a better reason, but, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it makes me sob my eyes out in that line about churches and theaters. Like, even just you mm-hmm. saying it got me all, like, weepy. Mm-hmm. Loath mm-hmm. though I am to give Kenneth Branagh credit for literally anything. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. Yeah. No. Look, we love this movie and there's reasons for it. There's good stuff in here. <sighs> anyway, it's back to old Noel Coward. Yeah. Um, oh, also, somewhere in this scene, and I forget where it is, is the line that you and I possibly quoted more than anything else in this, which is that I think you're being really unfair on fad. Yes, because <laughs> he says that there's no design. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and and the kind of resolution is like, hey, we're all tired. This is Henry, unlikely voice of mm-hmm. reason. Um, yeah. Just being like, we're all tired. Why don't we yeah. call it a night? Tomorrow, we're just going to do a run through. We're just going to do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not going to think about the show and performing and all this stuff. We're just going to get through the play. Yep. Um, so we get a montage of their run through and hey, they did a good job. At the end, everyone's yeah. hugging and kissing. And then the I cast. Like, oh, sometimes I mix, miss acting. But <laughs> as we've discussed, not really. I mean, you know, you got to take the good. You take the bad blah 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 blah. the facts of life um (laughs) a show that i've never really watched despite its prominence in uh dead to me (laughs) god that was early quar yeah oh my god yes oh my god that was this year (laughs) anyway okay so the cast have got wind of the oh right that, because another thing that Joe said in right. his speech was like we don't even have the money to pay for the venue for the run of the show yeah um so all of the cast have decided that they will help out financially which you know it's actors so it's like three beans and a button um <laughs> indeed and Fadge sold her van yeah and she says if the show's a success she can buy it back. Um, it's basically like the Christmas Carol ending plus Gift of the Magi. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, they're having tech rehearsal, which, uh, if you've ever been in a play or seen any show movie about a play, tech rehearsals are always a disaster. And this is no exception. Uh, uh confidential fans of the NBC show Smash, not a great time to propose to your longtime, uh, partner. <laughs> Indeed, it is not. <laughs> Um, they're all trying to figure out how to like navigate the stage because of all the smoke that Fadge has put in there. Um, 
She's and... wearing this construction hat with a light, and it just reminded me of the the all female Ghostbusters when Sigourney Weaver is talking to uh, Kate McKinnon, and she's like, "Where's your safety lights?" And Kate McKinnon's like, <laughs> "Safety lights are for dudes." And then Sigourney Weaver's like, "Safety lights are for dudes," and you can say what you want. That was a good movie. It was a good movie. Um, and then uh, Terry and uh, his roommate, I forget his name, have done their makeup as Carnforth. Henry Irving. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe. Terry and Henry. Yes. Um, so they've done their makeup all like, you know, crazy looking. I but think I they're trying to be happy. Henry Irving and some other actor who I couldn't identify. Mm, okay. But just like Victorian era, you know, panto type people. Yeah. Uh, Carnforth comes in and says that the post office had a message uh, for Joe to call his agent, which again, what a weird time to be alive. Um, Joe tells Carnforth not to drink, which uh, that's not how this works. It really, I'm like, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, I don't believe you've ever encountered, I don't believe you've ever not encountered an alcoholic. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, also, like, what if he gets the DTs? <laughs> You think that tire changing routine was bad? Well, it would be good for some of his characters and bad for others. <laughs> um, like Rosencrantz would be great. Guildenstern. Yee. Not so much. Uh, Rosencrantz so. and Guildenstern. <laughs> uh, Mo Molly and Vernon chat about how a film company wants to use Chelford Castle for some futuristic <laughs> film. Why, what film could they be talking about? I can't. I haven't the foggiest. Yeah. Um, he's still trying to get the folks at the hotel to uh, come to their show instead of the entertaining show that they wanted to see. <laughs> uh, I ship Vernon and Molly. There's a very sweet uh, kind of flirtation bubbling up between yeah. them. Yeah, they're nice. Um, well, and I think this is the scene where she says anytime she feels like she's going mad, she looks at Vernon and Vernon's like, uh... <laughs> is that a compliment bro <laughs> and she's like no 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 but like yeah. you're fu you're always fine and he said he likes being needed yeah yeah um b back at the phone booth <laughs> uh uh oh Joni's gotten Joe a three picture guarantee from Nancy Crawford take that Dylan Judd Indeed. um we need to talk about her whole treadmill get up here because she is like fully <laughs> decked out in like tight black pants a black top mm -hmm. a black scarf full makeup and jewelry on like this rickety <laughs> ass 1995 treadmill and it has mm -hmm. like a it has like a drink holder for like a protein shake it is amazing yeah, yeah she kind of reminded me of a uh, mom on futurama <laughs> i wish i could think of what she says when she slaps her kids but i can't sadly <laughs> yeah it's like can it in your face hole <laughs> yeah uh joe brings in a nightcap to terry and henry as a peace offering for telling them that their makeups were bad um he's like trust me on the makeup issue uh and then it turns out everyone's getting a nightcap uh including carnworth who was just explicitly told not to drink <laughs> indeed but i do think he has a snoopy comforter oh nice mm-hmm uh, then we see Fadge painting a cardboard audience in case nobody shows up. Which is that's not that's not gonna help morale. Um, mm, 
I don't know. Look, they're all on like level five of this delusion. I think they're all pretty bought in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Molly, Joe, and Safi are sorting out candles. Uh, and Tom is like saying he thinks that he can be funny with Fadge. And it's like, I don't know. There seems to be something happening there. So, all right. Uh, yeah. And like, I'm just like, oh, Kenneth Branagh, you've never had a human relationship, have you? Yeah. No, and then there's there's a nice little scene with uh, Vernon encouraging Carnforth, and he says that, listen, I love you, and everybody loves you when they see you, and that's just, you've got that. You're going to walk out, and the audience is just going to love you, and that's that. And I will say that I had, like, when he did that first line that they spent so long on, I was like, why are you spending, that was pretty good. I like that, you know? Yeah. Like, good job, guy. Yeah. No, so, and I mean, yeah. his whole backstory is, like, he went to theater school and stuff, um, mm-hmm. and, like, his parents, like, paid for it, and he's just been so... Mm-hmm. wrapped up in whether or not he could like justify their mm-hmm. their belief in him yeah yeah so yeah uh that was nice uh and then you know Safi stumbles off to bed and molly says that joe should take Safi with him wherever he goes uh which sure also Safi should run away from joe wherever he goes and also nothing uh, to offer her wear glasses <laughs> that too yes before running <laughs> So we see Fadge facing back and forth with a stack of books, insisting, I can make a decision. I have no idea <laughs> to what this referred. Uh, yeah. She was outside. Like, I don't know what she's talking about, but um, yeah. the technical rehearsal is actually today. I don't know what the previous one was, but yeah. um, look, we can safely say this is all tech week. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, Henry's gotten in on a bit of the uh, Polari, uh, referring to Joe and saying, she's happy now we all look like TV weathermen. Uh, (laughs) Some would say they just look fine. Joe's giving notes when uh, Joni barges in, insisting that she's got to talk to him. And Joe comes toward the cast and he explains what has happened. Hang on, Mm -hmm. why? Because he was on the phone with her. Like, he... No, we, he hung up before she could explain. Okay. He, he, said he, would ta- he said he would take the deal, but she had not yet explained that he had to leave. Okay, like, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. It's good that you watched this slightly more recently than I did. Indeed. Uh, okay, so... Also, Safi's hair is unusually awful in this scene. <laughs> anyway. Uh, she's quirky. <laughs> so... Joe is just kind of stammering and can't quite explain what has to happen. And Joni comes in to play the heavy because she is an adult. Um, Mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, Joe has to leave tonight before the show goes on and everybody's stunned. Um, And, you know, but I mean, again, I think even at the time that I first saw it, it's just like, well, yeah, you can't not do this. Yeah, which, you know, several of the actors in there agree with you. And I mean, I think I mean, I think that's true to an extent, although I also think that, you know, she's a fucking agent and if you want to get the right guy for a three movie deal, you could at least, you know, put it off for a few hours. Like, yeah. him, let him have one one run, like one performance at least. I agree. Um but but also it was 1996. Yeah. So, and I and mean, not also, that and yeah, and also he hung up the phone before the dis- the conversation. Yeah, was so really, uh, we can yeah. still blame Joe, which is exciting. It, indeed. <laughs> anyway, um, um, Fadge says that she'd finally cracked it. I assume she means the design. Yeah. 
yeah. then Safi begs him not to go. And I'm not so cynical that I didn't cry. Oh, absolutely. I just cried like, and cried. I did. When she says that, you know, we're all depressed, especially you. And I'm like, Joe was very explicit that he was depressed. Yeah. Like, you're not revealing something to him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, and, you know, she's, and somebody was like, well, you know, everybody wants to just go be with their families. And she says, we're with our family. And that really, you know, yeah. stuck with me. That's, well, yeah, because as we've established, you know, the other kind don't really work, do yeah. they? <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I was thrilled because Molly's going to play Hamlet mm-hmm. and Henry has a great line about we're actors, we're beggars. That's the way it works. Uh, which is why we both work in tech now. Yes. <laughs> Everybody shuffles off stage very emotionally and Safi makes one last emotional appeal before she runs off. Um, and then Carnforth has a long monologue and I'm like, oh, he's the wise fool. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that when I was younger, when I was explicitly studying these things like eight hours a day. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, Joe and Joni leave because he's got to get on like a private plane and this whole rigmarole. Yeah. Uh, So Henry tells Safi, who has in fact finally put on her glasses now that she's not having to flirt with Joe or something. I don't know. Um, But that uh, she's got to pull it together, even though she's in love with Joe. Uh, and Henry tells her to make Joe proud. Um, and yeah. Henry's redemption arc doesn't quite earn itself for me. Like we never, we never yeah. see him like apologize for using slurs. We yeah, never like, but, I mean, know. I don't ne- like, it's not even necessarily that he would have to like have a full 180 yeah. given the time period, yeah. but it's just like, okay, well everybody seems awfully fine with you being a complete fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, Molly is literally living the actor's nightmare, uh, which I have been, I've been in scenes with, and I have myself been somebody who was doing a last-minute replacement like this. It is a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but they give uh, one of my, th- the thing that's always, stu- another thing that stuck with me is that, like, if you ever uh, get lo- grow up on your lines, you just say, crouch we here a while and lurk. <laughs> <laughs> and wait for somebody to save it and then there's also i forget i forget exactly how it gets into it but the, there's something about like i uh, will just say uh, we'll just say that uh, they died of a uh, the boot the boot was poisoned <laughs> it's like a very it's like only helpful in one scene <laughs> yes but it's just such a, i loved it uh and we have fadge running front of house and it's like Every terrible Top Chef restaurant morse rolled into one. (laughs) Somebody's asking if they have ice cream. And Fats just says, what are you, a fascist? (laughs) Fortunately, Vernon swoops in to save the day. He's got some ice cream in the cold box. And uh, Fadge is so nervous, but uh, Vernon wants to know if her nipples are hard. And they are very hard, so... (laughs) <laughs> I think she said if yeah. they were any harder, Tom could do chin-ups on them. <laughs> yes. Yes, she does. That's a very graphic image. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Carnforth's mother and Terry's son are in the crowd. Hey. What? Um, and everyone's rushing around backstage, getting ready, and Carnforth's talking to himself and says, they love me, you know? And I don't know. I just liked it. Mm-hmm. 
Joni arrives unexpectedly along with Jennifer yeah. Saunders, who I hope yeah. has not proved to be problematic in recent days. Yeah. You she know, might she, have. she's of that age uh, yeah. and is British and a woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, you know, there's. If I don't know, I don't have to know. Yeah, that's great. I didn't learn anything or even try. So, um, <laughs> yes. no, I don't want to. No, we're not yeah. going to find out. Don't tell yeah. us. <laughs> yes. So there's a guy from the London Times doing a profile on Jennifer Saunders, who is actually producer Nancy Crawford, and yes, she's yes. doing some indefinably Southern American accent. I think it's meant to be yeah. Texan. She's and I'm like. Keeping she is keeping real warm with that accent like oof. what <laughs> oh she's got her american accent to keep her warm oh okay sorry i was like what that yeah <laughs> you didn't say it with your american accent so i was confused no you're right you're right <laughs> no yeah and it's like i think that the brits are really obsessed with texas um yeah that seems plausible that was that actually came up in the the dracula that i was mentioning um <laughs> I think they think it's like the most American somehow. Yeah. Um, which, you know, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just like, I don't know who they think works in the film business. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, not everybody sounds like Holly Hunter, right? Like we all like the piano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so drum beats start as someone clears out the ghost light. And Carnforth comes out and shoots a gun. I laughed so hard. It's like this yeah. very like realistic seeming gun and everybody in yeah. the crowd is like screaming and ducking <laughs> except for Jennifer Saunders who's just like not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Molly goes up on her first line and then Joe enters from the back of the house uh, so saving her just in the nick of time. And Terry is so surprised that he does that line inversion that, that Safi warned him about earlier. <laughs> uh, Tom goes over to exposit to Vernon that Nancy Crawford delayed her flight to see Joe and Hamlet. And she's got the times with her. Um, I have some questions about how this came about, but then they, they are actually answered in uncharacteristic fashion for this movie. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> um, Safi and, uh, is... Yeah, and, and Molly and Fadge are hanging out at some point in here because here's where I wrote that the two of them are like kind of a low-key ship in the background for me. <gasps> yes, because uh, Molly was like, I think I would have been very good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're all theater people, Amy. They're all going to date each other at one point or another. Mm. So Safi's super pissed off at Joe, which will only help her performance. And indeed, the <laughs> yeah. remembrances of yours scene... Uh, goes off very well, and she actually hits him. <laughs> yeah. And Nancy yeah. really likes Tom's performance, and Joni immediately claims him as a client. Yeah. There's also a scene with Henry, I think it is, like, kind of making a quick thing. And he does, like, like an old-fashioned music hall, and he's backstage, like, as he's turning a corner and sort of, like, skidding on one foot, which I just thought was, I don't know, a weird thing to do. Anyway. Uh, look... I think if we can infer anything about Kenneth Branagh is that he's a big fan of old-timey music hall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, then we've got everybody cheering at the fencing scene, uh, which is not a thing that actually No, happens, like everybody, like I feel like we get sold this in theater school. They're like, you'll have them like cheering in the aisles. Nobody, nobody cares. Yeah. 
but this is like you know it's just like in rom-coms everybody ends up happy even though life isn't like that <laughs> you know please continue (laughs) yeah um uh carnworth's mom is crying at his performance and at the end the crowd goes wild oh yeah and saunters is pointing at the stage and also by the way like he was using that fortinbras like that norwegian accent i know i was really thrilled that that made that to the stage yeah yeah uh, so backstage, everyone is complimenting each other, and Carnforth's mom comes back, and she says yeah. that he broke her heart as Horatio. Fadge is ecstatic, and then Henry brings back another visitor, who is Terry's son, yeah. Tim. Henry apparently mm-hmm. uh, got his, his medal on and invited mm-hmm. Tim in a letter, and uh, Tim says to Terry, I think you're a wonderful queen in every way. <laughs> Which, again, in 1996 is very progressive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So he's got to get back for Christmas Eve, but he'll bring his mom and his girlfriend the next week. And again, I'm not Mm -hmm. so cynical that this did not make me just weep my eyes out. Yeah. And he's asking what what he put in the letter. uh, And that's where he says, oh, I told him you had cholera. (laughs) And then, like, there's, like, a spit take that it cuts, like, mid-spit take. And I think that one thing that this movie does well is, like, the editing and the way it, like, it sells jokes with the editing a lot. No, it does. does The the jokes mostly land. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, So Joni and Nancy are discussing spatial relationships or something. Badly. Yeah. Uh, The Times reporter goes off to file his story. He's just excited to be covering something that wasn't a panto. Uh, Which, given what we know about Panto, we agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so Joan turned the offer down at the last minute, and that inspired Nancy to come to the show. And then, like, Joan says something sneery to Safi, but, like, but, like, oh, yeah, she's, like, so, like, oh, yeah, well, I guess all your, like, you know, moaning about things wasn't, but I'm, like, but Safi was right. Her romantic side of things, like, is what came to pass. He came back, and he's still going to get everything he wants, like... He's you not going to get Joan. everything he wants. Tom's getting everything he wants. Oh, yeah, that's true. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, correction. Correction. Safi is getting everything she wants. That, that is, is true. true. Yes. Um, yes, because, in fact, Tom will play Smegma. <laughs> the name of the science fiction character. We're not even going to dignify that with engagement. Yeah. Yeah, and also Fadge will be the costume designer, which, like, I don't think that this is a very good producer, I'm going to be honest. I agree with you. (laughs) However, I will say I thought when I'd watched it in years past, she was going to design the costumes for everything, but she's not. She's only designing for Smegma. Oh, okay. Um, Nancy says something about, you're going to love whoever the designer is. Um, He just couldn't Mm -mm -mm. get a handle on Smegma. Okay, yeah. I'm not saying that word anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then, uh, and like she's complimenting uh, several of the actors and then says to uh, Joe and Safi, you two are fine. Keep it up, kids. She calls them Mickey and Judy. (laughs) Yeah. Which is Rudy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And everyone is very pleased for Tom. Safi has a visitor. It's her dad. Who is real? Sure, yeah. He may be an actor. We don't know. 
Uh, anyway, she is very charmingly optimistic. She and Joe agree that they're in a relationship now. Um, yeah. Which again, like we get to this point, I'm like, oh, we never saw them touch or kiss. Um, yeah. So I guess it's very British. And yeah. everybody's dancing with one another. And he's saying how, you know, he's depressed. And she's saying, we can get depressed together. That's fun. It is fun. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that was true. <laughs> And so the bells chime, presumably midnight, and yep. everyone yells, uh, Merry Christmas, and a nice guitar cover of In the Bleak Midwinter plays over the credits. Which f- that was, like, to me, one of the most mid-90s things Yeah, in the yeah, whole thing. for sure. Um, but yeah, no, and I'm left with a very pleasant feeling, you know, like, it's Branagh's gonna Branagh, and the, the, you know, it's outdated in certain ways, but... It's just I had a I was a warm glow in my heart. Oh yeah, it was great. I just you know yeah I did you know I'll tell you what did make me happy was watching this movie. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. didn't really last, but <laughs> I mean yeah. that's no, that's a I, heavy lift to expect of any film. Yeah, no, I I felt good last night after watching it. Woke up this morning, felt terrible, but ah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know we just have to. Uh, Thank goodness for small victories, right? <laughs> yeah. Something. Hey, I had a good night out of it. I'll take it. <laughs> Look, there's only uh, slightly over two weeks of this godforsaken year left. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and we, we hope we've given you all a decent two hours of this, you know, awful time. <laughs> uh, we hope we've uh, lifted your spirits uh, ever so briefly before the next <laughs> horrible fucking thing happens. <laughs> indeed uh but yeah you know i mean just uh stay safe out there mm-hmm. uh it'll it'll end this will pass yeah um yeah and we hope that you've enjoyed this like i have nothing eloquent yeah. to say at this point <laughs> yeah i mean i don't really either uh you know i don't know if we'll do it you know we may never do that this again i'm not sure why we did it this time but you know we had fun so we're yeah. losing our perspicacity <laughs> yeah well this is fun so until next time question mark (laughs) up yours downstairs downstairs. luncheon out the world for some years has been sodden with tears on behalf of the acting profession each star playing a part seems to expect a purple heart. It's unorthodox to be born in a box, but it needn't become an obsession. Let's hope we have no worse to plague us than two shows a night in Las Vegas. When I think of physicians and mathematicians who don't earn a quarter the dough, when I look at the faces of people in maces, there's one thing I'm burning to know. Why must the show go on? It can't be all that indispensable To me it really isn't sensible on the whole To play a leading role When fighting those tears you can't control Why kick up your legs when draining the dregs of sorrow's bitter cup Because you have read some idiot has said the curtain must stay up I'd like to know why a star takes bows Having just returned from burying her spouse Brave boopa-doopers, go home and dry your tears. Gallant old troopers, you've bored us all for years. And if you're so blue, wet through, and thoroughly woe-begone, why must the show go on? 
Asked to condole with each tremulous soul who steps out to be loudly applauded. Stars on opening nights weep when they see their names in lights. Though people who act as a matter of fact are financially amply rewarded, it seems when pursuing their calling, their suffering's simply appalling. But butchers and bakers and candlestick makers get little applause for their pains. When I think of miners and waiters in diners, The query forever remains: Why must the show go on? The rule is surely not immutable. It it might be wiser and more suitable just to close. If you are in the throes of personal grief and private woes, why stifle a sob when doing your job? When if you'd use your head, you'd go out and grab a comfortable cab and go right home to bed because you're not giving us much fun. This laugh clown laugh routine's been overdone. Hats off to show folks for smiling when they're blue, but more Camille faux folks are sick of smiling through. And if you're out cold, too old, and most of your teeth have gone, why must the show go on? I sometimes wonder why must the show go on? Why must the show go on? Now why not announce the closing night of it? The public seem to hate the sight of it, dear, and so why you should undergo this terrible strain we'll never know. We know that you're sad. We know that you've had a lot of storm and strife. But is it quite fair to ask us to share your dreary private life? We know you're trapped in a gilded cage. But for heaven's sake, relax and be your age. Stop being gallant. And don't be such a bore. Pack up your talent. There's always plenty more. And if you lose hope, take dope and lock yourself in the john. Why must the show go on? I'm merely asking. Why must the show go on?